Thanks for tuning in. This is episode number 174. I want to thank you for taking the time to join me on this episode. We are continuing where we left off in our reading of Understanding Biblical End Times, written and narrated by Danny Pate. Uh, We will pick up back on page 43, and let's begin. Now, let's go back to Matthew 24. 23 through 28, which reads, Then if anyone says to you, Look, here is the Christ, or there he is, do not believe it. For false Christs and false prophets will arise and perform great signs and wonders, so as to lead astray, if possible, even the elect. See, I have told you beforehand, so if they say to you, Look, he is in the wilderness, do not go out. If they say, Look, he is in the inner rooms, do not believe it. For as the lightning comes from the east and shines as far as the west, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. Wherever the corpse is, there the vultures will gather. We can be clear on this portion of Scripture. It will be clear, and no question when Jesus, our Messiah, will return, for no one will be needed to be told that he is here. Like the days of Noah and Lot, Christ's return will be followed by the complete and utter destruction of the unrighteous, and their corpses will become a great feast for the birds of the air. These taken people will be completely destroyed, and the righteous will remain under the complete care and protection of Christ as he gathers his people to himself like a hen gathers her chicks under her protective wing. As we pick back up in Matthew twenty four twenty nine through 33 it says, Immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened, and the moon will not give its light, and the stars will fall from heaven, and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Then will appear in heaven the sign of the Son of Man, and then all the tribes of the earth will mourn. And they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And he will send out his angels with a loud trumpet call, and they will gather his elect from the four winds, from one end of heaven to the other. From the fig tree learn its lesson. As soon as its branch becomes tender and puts out its leaves, you know that summer is near. So also, when you see all these things, you know that he is near at the very gates. End quote. On the surface, this sounds very much what we traditionally expect from contemporary rapture or second coming doctrine. Uh, 
it is verse 34 that presents us much trouble. Matthew 24, 34 says, quote, Truly I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all these things take place, end quote. Then Jesus affirms the validity of his words by saying in the following verse that, quote, Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away, end quote. I admit that it has been challenging to divorce myself from the teaching that I've grown up understanding regarding contemporary teaching of the rapture and how that will unfold. Still, when we look closely at the scriptures that have been the hinge pin of our doctrine, it just doesn't measure up. Come back with me to the statement Jesus gives in Matthew 24, 34, saying, quote, Truly I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all these things take place. End quote. Let's also read Matthew 10, 23, which says, quote, When they persecute you in this city, flee to another. For assuredly I say to you, you will not have gone through the cities of Israel before the Son of Man comes. End quote. These scriptures should generate questions in your mind asking if we have understood what Jesus was saying. What does coming mean? What does Jesus mean by this generation? I want to point out some suggestions. Read Matthew 16, 28, which says, quote, Assuredly, I say to you, there are some standing here who shall not taste death till they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom, end quote. I submit to you that the passage in Matthew 24, 30, which says, Then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in heaven, and then all the tribes of the earth will mourn, and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. Quote, end quote. It does not mean the return of Jesus to earth in his second coming. Rather, his coming into his kingdom of authority through the sacrifice of his life while the Father is putting all things under his feet. This is both happening and has happened. While this is beyond the scope of this lesson, I would encourage you to revisit what the cross of Christ accomplished. It is far grander than dying to atone for sin and making heaven possible. When we analyze the discussion of generations in Matthew 23:36, which it says, Quote, Assuredly, I say to you, all these things will come upon this generation. End quote. We see in this verse the idea of the Son of Man coming and the promise of things occurring in this generation. I want to suggest to you that quote, this generation refers to those living in that day. Even more specifically, we can see in the Old Testament scripture of Genesis 15 verses 13 and 16, 
which says, quote, Then the Lord said to Abram, Know for certain that your offspring will be sojourners in the land that is not theirs, and will be servants there, and they will be afflicted for four hundred years. And they shall come back here in the fourth generation, for the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet complete. We see in this scripture that God defined a generation by 100 years. In the New Testament, John the Baptist saw the Pharisees and Sadducees coming for baptism, and he said to them, quote, You brood of vipers, Matthew 3, verse 7. In the King James Version, brood is written as generation. This title was specific to those religious leaders. We may have differing definitions of generation. Still, Jesus put the qualifying word, this, which insinuates those present during his words. We follow the next step in Matthew 24, 31, which says, And he will send out his angels with a loud trumpet call, and they will gather his elect from the four winds, from one end of heaven to the other. End quote. We read this verse and can be reminded of 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty two. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we shall be changed. End quote. Or perhaps you will recall in 1 Thessalonians 4.16, it reads, For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the voice of an archangel, and with the sound of the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. When we read of trumpets, we automatically and instinctively go to the second coming in our thinking. Let me point out a few other verses that may affect that thinking. See that Exodus 19:16 says, quote, "On the morning of the third day there were thunders and lightning and a thick cloud on the mountain and a very loud trumpet blast so that all the people in the camp trembled." End quote. In Isaiah 27:13 it says, "And in that day a great trumpet will be blown and those who were lost in the land of Assyria and those who were driven out to the land of Egypt will come worship the Lord on the holy mountain of Jerusalem." End quote. Though there is a biblical precedence for trumpets, at the second coming of the Lord. It is not exclusive to the return of Jesus. Could we imagine that the trumpet is a bridging of a spiritual and physical reality that announces the mighty and authoritative presence of God Most High? The trumpet announces the mighty, fiery, presence of the God of Mount Sinai. 
the homeward call to the ones driven far from their homeland, and ultimately the trumpet call of the return of the God King to be ultimately, completely, and finally reunited face to face with his people. The call of the trumpet is far more diverse than an announcement of solely a second coming. Matthew 24, 31 says, And he will send out his angels with a loud trumpet call, and they will gather his elect from the four winds, from one end of heaven to the other. End quote. We see this type of gathering of God's people from their Assyrian captivity, as declared in Isaiah 27, 13. When we look at the Roman occupation of Jerusalem and their empire rule over the Jewish people, there is a prophetic nature to this statement of Christ. When Jerusalem would eventually be destroyed in 70 AD, many Jewish Christians would have fled to safe places as previously discussed. There will be a regathering of God's Jewish people from across the lands. The following verses are some of the clearest verses that imply the audience to whom Jesus was speaking. Jesus says clearly in verses 32 through 35 that, quote, "...from the fig tree learn its lesson. As soon as its branches become tender and put out its leaves, you know that summer is near." So also, when you see all these things, you know that He is near, at the very gates. Truly I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all these things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. For Jesus to explicitly say that, quote, this generation will not pass away until all these things take place, deals a conclusive blow against believing that these events outlined in Matthew 24 are future events not yet experienced. Jesus lays out his closing remarks by highlighting that the day of his return is unknown by anyone, not even the angels, or himself. Only the Father knows this day. Matthew 24, 36-44 says, quote, But concerning that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven nor the Son, but the Father only. For as were the days of Noah, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. For as in those days before the flood they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, until the day when Noah entered the ark, and they were unaware until the flood came and swept them all away, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. Then two men will be in the field, one will be taken and one left, Two women will be grinding at the mill, one will be taken, and one left. Therefore, stay awake, for you do not know on what day your Lord is coming. But know this, 
that if the master of the house had known in what part of the night the thief was coming, he would have stayed awake and not have let his house be broken into. Therefore, you also must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. End quote. I want to highlight something vital concerning the days of Noah. Not only were the people of Noah's day carrying on with business as usual when they came upon judgment, but when the judgment came, there was no chance at repentance. The ark door was shut, and the rains came with zero opportunity for repentance and entrance into the ark. In our contemporary doctrine of the rapture, we teach that there is an opportunity for those left behind from the rapture to come to a saving knowledge of Christ, albeit more difficult. No scripture justifies this belief. Not only does it provide false opportunity and hope, but it also counters what Scripture itself teaches. As in the days of Noah, and so shall be the coming of the Lord. It shall be sudden, unsuspected, and final. We erroneously lead people to believe that there will be an opportunity for salvation if you miss the departure out by the rapture. This stance has no biblical foundation. Let us be faithful and wise servants to our Master, Jesus, so He will find us in well-doing. So this is where we will end in our Part 5 reading. Uh, We will pick back up on the next episode uh, at page 52. Uh, thank you for taking the time to join me. We'll see you on the next one. God bless. I'm close to you. I would trade a million lifetimes for a moment here with you. And in your house I hold.